Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins Hockey Talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated fanatics banner before shopping online. Another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a Patreon member to be eligible for weekly Boston hockey prizes and monthly Boston Bruins hand-signed jersey giveaways. Please go to patreon.com slash podcast and donate just $1 per episode. Many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show. What's up, Bruins fans? This episode 330 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Sign up now at fanduel.com slash Boston because new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Get on that. It really helps us out. Don't forget that code, uh, that, that URL, fanduel.com slash Boston. Like I said, it helps us out. Um, but uh, we use FanDuel all the time as our as our exclusive gambling um, partner, if you could say. But um, regardless of that, we do have a, uh, an episode that we got to get done, and, and it is Sunday, and you know it's uh, these this start of a, of a long ass um, off season. But um, unfortunately, we do not have Steve with us today because he's got family commitments. It is Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day to all the. Uh, amazing mothers out there. This this episode 330 is dedicated to all of you listeners, viewers, and, and moms everywhere. So without further ado, I do want to introduce or bring back my guest, uh, Grace Roberts. Grace, how are you and how was your week? It was good. I was visiting my family up in Maine, so I was happy to be back in New England for a little bit. I'm now I'm coming to you from a beautiful hotel room in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, so great to be all over the place but other than that nice week back at home love being in Maine so can't complain how about you absolutely yeah it was a good week um you know the weather was kind of if up and down it's starting to I mean it's a beautiful day today here in New England um but you know outdoor activities are going to start happening start doing some live streams outside having some cocktails on the deck you know getting some content out so I'm looking forward to that um we tried to open up a new bar, a new brew pub here in Amesbury. 
where I live and it's called the outrider and they're from out West. And, uh, they opened up a, um, a new place in Namesbury and, and we were fortunate enough to go in the front door and walk right out the back. Um, because it there was not an inch of space. I'm serious. I mean, there was so many people there for the grand opening on Friday. So, uh, we went to a, a bar next door called sky high and, and, um, had some drinks there and then we went and had some mexican at a uh, hoppy's cantina right downtown amesbury so it was nice. it was a day it was an awesome day regardless of me getting to outrider i will get there sometime this week to try it out and get some food and get some some of the uh the local brews in me but um yeah i mean other than that it's just been really calm and relaxed around here you know typical off season when you're not in the playoffs anymore but you know that we have a discord server and I'll put the, I will definitely put the, uh, the link in the show notes. So please join us to, to help us create content and, uh, every week throughout this off season, but also get involved in the conversation and pass the, pass the off season as fast, as fast as possible. Uh, we have a great crew of uh, people over there. And obviously I, like I said, I'll put the show notes in there. Um, and we also we also do want to get you guys more involved in the program during the off season. If you have trade ideas, you want to fire somebody. You, you, I mean, and it, there's so much. If you could do it respectfully, please give us a call at a Black and Gold Hockey Podcast Listener Hotline. It's open twenty four seven and accept calls from Bruins fans all over the world. So hit us up at nine seven eight five zero four two seven two seven and leave a uh, brief Bruins related voicemail to get involved, or by tweet at us too your questions and we'll answer them on the show, but use that hashtag ask BNG. All right. All that jazz, blah, blah, blah. Um, Oh, I do want to say because it's mother's day, I do want to give a shout out to somebody, obviously my mom, Kathy, hopefully she's well. Um, But I do want to mention a former black and gold productions uh, writer. She was a short time here, um, but she's leaving Nesson and going to mass live. So I want to give a shout out to Lauren Campbell. Uh, Lauren is uh, one of uh, my favorite uh, Bruins writers, um, and she does a tremendous job. She was at uh, Nesson for five years, and, um, and and obviously, you know, things she had to part ways and moving on to uh, hopefully better, uh, you know, better opportunities for herself. So uh, shout out to Lauren. She's always been a good friend and, a, and just a solid Bruins uh, fan all around. All right, so here we go. Recent news. The Boston Bruins signed defensive prospect Mason Lowry to a two-year entry-level contract. And at the NHL level, that is going to be worth a 925K, the 2020 second-round pick. has most recently played his uh, first pro games uh, with the Providence Bruins down the American Hockey League. And, you know, so for those first couple of contests, I'm not sure if you got to see any of it, Grace, because I know you're very, very busy in, these, uh, in this, this spring. But... Um, I thought he was. He showed a lot of confidence for a young man transitioning from the NCAA game into the you know first years of pro. Um, but you know, this is also a player that could be aggressively moved up because of what Don Sweeney has been saying uh, in in his press conference that him and management and ownership did earlier last week. Um, and we're going to have a bunch of videos and audio uh, of those uh, of uh, clips of that press conference so we could talk about. But he said that they're going to integrate a lot. They could be a different roster and we're going to integrate a lot of uh, youth, maybe. So uh, obviously with the cap constraints, um, th- that could aggressively move some of these young prospects up because their AAV is going to be that much lower. 
So uh, what are your thoughts on getting Mason involved in a, in a two-year entry-level contract? But also, do you feel his game is ready for the NHL at, as close as next season or possibly a year away? I think that it, you know, I actually, I watched more um, of him back when he was at Ohio State, which go blue. So sorry to the Buckeyes. Glad that he's now on our side of being a Bruins player. Um, but I, I saw more of him when he was playing at the NCAA, in the NCAA during his first uh, two years there. And honestly, I think that one of the things that, that helps his case for being able to move up more readily is just his size. He's a big kid. He's 6'4", weighs like 210. So you're kind of looking at a, a Derek Forbert size. Obviously, he's not doesn't have the experience necessarily, but I mean, you look at him compared to some of the smaller guys that either are still growing because they're, they're in college and they maybe didn't do juniors or for whatever reason, they're just smaller and haven't grown yet. Um, he has size going for him. And I also think that he, he, even as a freshman, you sort of saw that he has a, a an offensive mindset that I think is lacking in a lot of um, the options right now for the Bruins, except for, Personally, I think Matt Grizzlick really has it going, but obviously what the future holds across the board for our defensemen is unclear. Um, so in that sense, I, I don't see it being terribly far off. I can see him getting time this year, especially given the cap situation and just where our options are at. Um, but I'm, I'm feeling optimistic about it. I think that there's a lot to like about his game. I think that experience is going to help a lot. Um but, you know, it's not like there haven't been really successful players that have jumped right in into playing in the NHL and have not succeeded, even if they haven't had all the AHL experience. Um, so, yeah, I, I like that much about him. I, I think that it will still take a lot for him to earn a, a spot full time, but I could definitely see him getting minutes and I, I wouldn't hate it. I think that he's a great player and I like to watch him. So um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on I I do agree with a lot of the, the he's raw, you know, and and there's a, so much more potential. And I don't think we've actually seen his full potential at the AHL level. I think he was trying sometimes too hard, maybe squeezing the t- stick a little tight, but that's that happens often to the uh, to the young uh, youth that are just transitioning into the pro levels. Um, but I I do like his offensive prowess and, and way, the way he can read a play and so on, and also generate a play um, with transition out of the defensive zone. Uh, he's a big full, a big, big defenseman that's got really good hands and a good stride. So when he gets going, it's really hard for, for anybody to stop him. But um, I think his puck transitioning and his puck um, protection just needs to be a little more, uh, attentive if that if that uh it could be used and i think by having him in boston all summer working with uh, uh you know skating coaches and so on and, and and offensive skilled coaches um maybe even adam mcquaid you know development camp coming up and so on you know he's going to get a lot of um tutelage from several members of the developing core um in, in the bruins organization and I think that if he has a solid summer, really good camp, I mean, I think he might even, you know, participate in the prospect challenge in Buffalo. I think those those things can build him up to having a really good camp and and really uh, have management like say this is this kid's an option for us to be cap compliant. Um, but also, 
on the other side of the coin, I'm also all for him to get a full year in the American Hockey League as well. If he doesn't get that NHL roster spot right out of the gate. So there's, there's a ton of options and potential for this type of player just to really excel in his uh, early pro years. Um, and I'm excited to see what he, how he absorbs it all because, you know, a, a, a defenseman that of his size that moves so well like him is like a really good package to have for the future. And and right now the future looks grim because of the, the salary cap constraints that Don Sweeney and Evan Gold and the Boston Bruins are going to have to go through. So I mean, we might see, a, a, and I want to call it a mini youth movement coming up where the Bruins are going to have this, uh, are probably going to go through some pretty lean years. As much as that is exciting to get, you know, more youth involved, it's not a great, it's not a great start to, you know, a, a se- an upcoming season when you're just basically moving these players up because of their low AAVs. And obviously trades are going to happen. And, and we'll hear from Don Sweeney when, when I mean, not trades, but, you know, uh, signings, departures, and all this is going to happen to be cap compliant. So it's going to be difficult no matter what. But, you know, uh, getting these younger players involved is, is something that I believe is important. And I'm, I hate to say it, but I'm, you know, we're probably going to see some players that are going to be departing. And we'll talk about the roster next week, what we think the roster will be when Steve, uh, the main host, Steve Forney, comes back. I want to get all three of us together and just do a little bit of homework and figure out. Hey, is this the youth movement? What's our roster going to be like? Or what's the roster going to be like without Patrice Bergeron or without David Krejci? Because, you know, uh, Don Sweeney did mention that they're going to – both scenarios are going to coincide with, what you know, what their plan is. They're always going to have a plan A, plan B. So, you know, getting youth involved is not a bad idea. But can you bring these veterans back when, you're, when you need to be cap, cap compliant before the October season comes? Yeah, and I think that that's going to be a, a sort of interesting limiting factor because on the one hand, you're like, oh, it makes it easier because you really you're not going to you you don't have a lot of space to like do a whole lot. But at the same time, it's like that means cutting some pretty serious losses at that point. And, and you know, recognizing that so many people that we liked and that we feel like are important are just gone. Um, and so I think it is going to be hard. But yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to get in, us getting our heads together and, and seeing what we think about the, the the future next year, because there are so many options, so many prospects that are great. And, you know, American hockey league players that have, that were very successful this season. And that I think have earned a chance to show what they can do at the NHL level players who I think can continue to do that. Um, and who have had a few opportunities already. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that potential youth movement, even though it will be, scary and nerve-wracking but then again you know so was this season we were scared and worried about certain things and this is just another thing that i think it's the opportunity for um you know the team to prove that they can handle anything so i'm hoping that that that's what they're able to do especially with an addition um like low yeah and, and and talking about uh the bergeron and and Krejci thing here is uh don sweeney's uh, pre- well not the don sweeney's but it was the ownership and management press conference, season-ending press conference that they had 
earlier this week when he talks about those two and the possible timeline. Uh, the question is whether or not we need a time frame, definitive time frame on regards to David Krejci and, and Patrice Bergeron. The answer is no. We went through this exercise last uh, last off season um, in putting it their sort of two simultaneous rosters. Um, you know, I probably had a indication early enough last summer to, to, to go in the direction that we were able to execute. Um, you know, some things came after that. You know, Pavel Zaka is an example of, of you know, sort of understanding where we may be and where we want to be. Um, the goal was build the deepest team we possibly could, um, and we fell short, uh, ultimately. And, and the goal will be, uh, you look at the core group of guys we currently have um, that had very, very successful regular seasons, and uh, it will be built around that. It may be an integrating younger players. So you can already see where our minds are going in, in terms of, of running, running simultaneous things. Um, and we'll respect the timelines um, on David and, uh, and Patrice as necessary. It's so hard to think about what what these two players are going to do because of their accomplishments with the Boston Bruins and and what they've contributed throughout their um you know illustrious careers especially Bergeron I mean he's like he's our white whale you know what I mean he's just that 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 like I don't want to say perfect because nobody's perfect but he was he's just that type of human that does everything he needs to for himself his family and his team organization always comes first and so on um, and if he if he chooses to go, it's going to be it's going to suck. Obviously, Krejci as well. But I'm more on the line of I'm OK if Krejci has to go because we, we need all the available cap space, you know, and bringing somebody back at a million dollars is is setting you back just a little bit on on next year's progression when you're thinking about being cap compliant. So I don't know. I forgot what I was going to say. But what, what, what were your feelings on on that? particular uh clip and and his ideas oh i did i did know what i was going to say i'm sorry uh grace but they do need to figure out when it happens because if there's a move after july 1st that they could do i don't want to hear oh we're waiting on david krejci we're waiting on patrice bergeron to figure out what they're doing i believe that those two players and i'm being selfish i get it but i believe that those two players really need to have out I figured out what their plan is. Is it retirement or coming back to get ready for this cap crunch and where we're going to you know, put pieces together and so on with them coming back? Or we need to know ahead of time so we can prepare for what's to come in free agency if we need to use any of that available cap space that they carried last year into getting a new player this year if it all works out cap-wise. So uh, thoughts? Yeah, I mean... I agree. I think that it's hard. <laughs> it, it is. I struggle not to call Patrice Bergeron perfect. I think that it's just, we've been so lucky to have him regardless of when he leaves. So I want to always like put that at the forefront of my mind that we can be grateful. He came back this season. He did incredible things at, at, being, at any age, but at his age, especially. And just, so while I want to, uh, you know, obviously keep him around forever and ever, I know that can't happen. And I agree that I, I forget which one of them it was. I think it was Bergeron who said he would have a decision. He thought that he, it wouldn't take him until July 1st to decide. And, you know, I don't know. I think that, I think that, that you're right. There's this positive spin to put on it that if they don't come back, it's that little bit of extra space, um, you know, to make things happen. And, I agree. Like, I, if I had to choose one or the other, I'd, obviously I'd want Bergeron back. I think that that's just, you know, a, a safe pick. But I also, 
I don't know. I would like to see Krejci back. I think that there's as much as it would help to have, you know, every little bit is going to count in the end with cap space. I think that having them back, we're better with them. And so I'd rather have them back even given that, um, you know, limitation, but I don't know. I do think that figuring it out sooner rather than later is going to be really important. And the way that, you know, Sweeney made it sound like, yes, he's, I know waiting for them and they can take their time with their decision, but you know, you can tell that there's a sense of urgency across the board because you do have these moving parts that now you have to factor into consideration. Which players are you going to move up? Where are you going to have holes in the roster? Um, and I think that urgency is, it, it's palpable, I think, especially in the fan base, because we had such a, su- such a successful season and we're not ready to see that just go down the drain. And so if we lose, you know, two franchise players and David Krejci and Patrice Bergeron, and now we're filling those holes with these names that people who don't watch the American Hockey League have never heard of or don't watch NCAA hockey have never heard of, um, it can feel stressful, but I'm, I think that, I think that they'll decide soon. Maybe that's wishful thinking. And so I think that we'll have answers sooner rather than later, but I, you know, I want them back. I think everybody does, but I also think that we have options without them. So whatever decision they have to make, I hope they make it quickly. And I think they will. Um, right now I'm on the, I don't think they're going to come back. That's my, that's my theory. But, um, but I've gone back and forth every week. I feel like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I mean, we'll definitely dive into that next week when we get our rosters. I'm really curious to see where your, where your uh, thoughts are going with how each line is constructed and who's coming back and who's going and so on. So it's going to be a fun discussion. I do want to make sure people make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs. Right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. Uh, But there's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. You can visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. FanDuel is the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Uh, 21 plus in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund is issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under agreement with the Kansas Star Casino LLC. Uh, LLC. So congratulations to Kansas. If you have a gambling problem, you can call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. Also, you can take the next step with 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342. Uh, that is if you live in the state of Arizona. Shout out to all of our Arizona peeps. Uh, in Connecticut, 1-888-789-7777, or you can visit ccpg.org slash chat. Uh, Indiana, we can go through Indiana, sure, 1-800-9-WITH-IT, W-I-T-H-I-T for our folks in Pawnee, Indiana. Uh, 1-800-552-4700 for our folks in Kansas. And let's find our wonderful people here in Massachusetts. GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support here in Massachusetts. And uh, hope is available as well. If you do have the gambling problem, you can reach out to any of those places. They would be happy to assist you. 
All right, we're back. We just heard from a, a great title sponsor, FanDuel. Uh, please sign up at uh, FanDuel.com slash Boston. Really does us a great deal of service if you guys do that, if you're into the gambling and so on. Uh, really good welcome bonuses, the, the best around, particularly in Massachusetts, who just became Legal Beagle not too long ago, you know, in March. So, um, and we've been using FanDuel all the time. I know great Grace is a is a fun gambler. I'm a, I'm a little fun myself. I'm not very good at it, but it's it's just... That's the way it works is like you don't have to make a thousand dollar bet all the time. It's just like a dollar, a five dollar little wager. And, and all of a sudden you get eight legs on it and it pays out. It's like two hundred, three hundred dollars. So it's awesome. Yeah, I was I was just saying that this morning I was in Massachusetts. I was putting my bets down. I made a, a great uh, six leg parlay on the Celtics game. Three dollars, but it's got a seventy six dollar payout and I'm feeling really good. So I'm I'm nice. ready to go. I'm ready to watch this game ready to be hurt by the Celtics, but I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Cause I think that I'm going to, I'm going to make some money. So can't say enough good things awesome. about FanDuel. That's right. Um, we, 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 I forgot to tee this one up, but um, this is basically the feeling that I got. And I, and I clipped it all together to just to get all four members that were at the uh, press conference last week. Uh, it was Don Sweeney. It was Charlie Jacobs. It was Cam Neely. And obviously the coach Jim Montgomery. So, this is the kind of feeling that I got out of it. And, and I don't know, it was kind of, it was kind of somber at the same time, but still it was, it was kind of cool to hear that they want to move forward, but they learned something about this. So uh, this is uh bees management in, in a, in a real short clip. So uh, for me, it's been <clears throat> quite an empty feeling to be honest with you. Um, you take a look at, 2019, the loss in Game 7, this is a close second to that for me. Frustrated, mad, um, accountable. Knowing all that was put into this season, all the potential we had for this run, and it's incredibly disappointing. I mean, I echo all all the responses thus far. It's it's an empty feeling that... uh, you know, you know the players are going through it, and, and uh, it's you look at the, the season and uh, you lose sight of, of the accomplishment because of the failure, and that's ultimately what you're going to be judged upon, and that's what we 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 sign up for. In a nutshell, that was a very depressing like press conference, to be honest with you, and and the start of it I heard from fellow media members. I wasn't there, but you know, like uh, I was contacted by Jimmy Murphy, and he was just like, "Dude, this is." bad like the audio like when when jim montgomery was about to talk did you watch the live i did you oh my oh my god the the technical difficulties was so bad every time somebody wanted to speak on the mic it would the the reverb was so loud and those guys were like right on top of the pa system i could just imagine how bad montgomery's ears were ringing God, I know they, they've been having some weird. Then during the exit interviews, the uh, fire alarm was going off in Warrior Ice Arena. There's just been like so yeah. many, like it just it feels cursed. Like it just feels yeah. like a curse. Yes, it does. Oh my already. god, I mean, still it's like extending. Um, but yeah, no, watching that is hard. I, I, it's good to see. I think there was a lot of anger, and I think rightfully so after the loss with Jim Montgomery, and even in the last couple days of the the series 
when Jim Montgomery seemed like, oh, this is a fun series. Like, it's great. Like, I, you know, I love it. And so I think people were rightfully kind of pissed that they felt it wasn't being taken that seriously. And then look where that, that got us. Um, but I, I did feel grateful, even though it was hard to watch in a somber sense. It was good to see that I think there's personal accountability, that there's personal, um, you know, growth in the, as much as there can be in two weeks, you know, just seeing that there is, this was a disaster and it was completely not what we wanted to have happen. And there's a lot of anger and there's a lot of accountability to be held against everybody in the organization. So that was good at least, but it, tough watch. I mean, you know, they're defeated. <laughs> Cam Neely, especially he was, it was tough to watch him and listen to him. He looked like he was ready to crawl across the floor and walk out of that press conference immediately. So um, it sucks because it's, you know, you see what they're feeling and you're like, Oh yeah, that's what I've been feeling. You know, <laughs> I get that. Oh yeah. So tough. Yeah. Yeah. And his, um, and all these videos are courtesy of the bostonbruins.com website. So I, I got to give credit to them. Don't me just kind of summed it up in a minute right here. I just said, you know, basically what happened in his eyes. You know, Jim and I communicate every day. So, you know, in, in, in recapping uh, the events, you know, in the playoffs, um, we went through a litany of things and areas that we, we would maybe look at a little differently and, and try and, uh, and improve as we go forward and putting players in different situations. So we have to have those difficult discussions. It's not about just pointing the finger at any one person. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, ill-timed, poor execution was a massive problem for us, you know, in, in, in particular in some of the games. Uh, you know, breakdown in structure, which we really hadn't done for vast majority of, of the season, ill-timed. And, and our goaltending wasn't at the same levels of the regular season. So those three things combined are, are, are going to lead to variance in results. Now, you can pinpoint and start to point fingers, but that's not what this organization is about. You, you take that collective failure and you have to acknowledge the areas that you're going to improve. And, 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 and Jim's referencing some of those things, and, and so am I. So behind closed doors, we are going to call each other out in those areas and, and pinpoint. It's not any one singular person's fault. Everybody makes mistakes. And the ending, the, the ending is most important to that clip right there is, is we're not pointing fingers um, and it's a collective thing and, and we need to learn. It's just that narrative right there is intriguing to me because of just the way it failed and how it failed and how it just flipped on a switch from the regular season to start the playoffs and so on and, and how you sustained yourself in that postseason first round was just not it wasn't good there was no execution at all I, I mean even though they they were up three to one in any of those three games that they won they didn't look comfortable doing it you know it's just like it maybe uh, it's I don't like the idea of you remember a couple of episodes ago when Sharon Dietz called in and said something about she didn't like the idea of hearing uh coach Montgomery say I don't have to coach these guys I lean yes. back and let these guys coach themselves. I think right there, I was just like, what is going on here? You know, you need to keep, take control of that bench. You know, it, it, and I get that it's a, it's a heavy laden veteran core. You know, a couple of Hall of Famers are probably going to go. But still, you have to have the voice. And I honestly just don't think that Jim Montgomery was fully prepared for this to come at him and and how these guys just weren't fully committed or bought in 
and how he didn't respond in a way. I think I think by him doing the Cam Neely water bottle spike was too late. In yes. game six, it was too late, you know, and so many other decisions we'll get to. But um, yeah, I mean, just just to wrap that whole thing up, I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it was uh, Steve was a big proponent of this idea that, you know, you, we've sort of done this unique thing, taking Jim Montgomery, who he has some coaching experience and head coaching experience, but it's limited compared to these guys who you see getting recycled throughout the league. You know, Maurice is one, and we saw that on full display. Um, but that's why it sort of cut both ways here is that there is this new coach who clearly didn't have the experience or necessary skills. Steve kept saying over and over again last week, he got out coached and he totally did. And it is a combination of not knowing how to, you know, deal with having to protect players from themselves. Um, you know, Patrice Bergeron, Allmark wanting to play, saying they're fine, not being a hundred percent. Um, and also not making the right adjustments, putting things into a blender. I think that all of those things sort of illustrated why a lot of teams in the league don't go to a newer coach and do keep recycling these same guys who have the experience just because if you do go to a new guy, then you're, you could see something like what happened to the the Boston Bruins in 2023. And so um, it is a double-edged sword, but I'm, I'm, I think that it was a good experience. Now I think that this is the beginning. This is what, I think and I hope that all coaches have to go through at one point or another a really serious, you know, kick in the ass about what what went wrong. So I think that that's an important, you know, thing that we kind of saw. Yeah, that that anger of the things that Jim Montgomery was saying about, oh, you know, they can just coach themselves. You're like, no, I want you to coach them. Like, I trust them. They're veterans. They're great. But I want you to coach them. You're the coach and you're a good coach. And I think that he is a good coach. So um that it definitely it's it's hard, but I think that still I'm still on the Monty train. I still think it's the right decision um, to have him around. So it it'll be interesting to see how he responds next year, um, especially come playoff time and towards the latter half of the season where we kind of saw him slip. Yeah, speaking of Jim Montgomery, this is him at the uh, last week's presser, courtesy of the Boston Bruins.com website. Um, the question was, how many teachable moments did I learn from in the playoffs? Um, you know, the overriding one is it's my job to get players to own the moment, seize the moment. And that didn't happen. Right. And that's falls on me. <clears throat> and I think with the hard times we went through, mm-hmm. right, we have to learn from them. Right. And if we don't learn from them, how are we going to grow? Like we'll just repeat the same thing next year. Um, So for me, it's being able to connect with the players over the course of the summer and build through training camp about what we have to do to make sure that we don't have the same energy level because we didn't have the same energy level we had in the regular season. We didn't have the same puck confidence that we had in the regular season. You know, and it hurts right now. Like, I mean, it's, it's, I've talked to players, you know, like, it's hard right now. It's hard for our fans. It's hard for us. Extremely difficult for everybody, you know, but I want to ask you something like we, all we've heard when he got hired and we do our research back to St. Louis, we do our research back to Dallas. We do our research even back to 
uh, college in Colorado when he was coaching and then going back to his college days at Maine does. And, and everybody's saying that he is a player's coach. So by hearing that and, and what he needs to do during the off season, I believe he still wants to be that type of communicator, that strong communicator um, to his, uh, to all the lineups and even the groups that he's put into uh, to, to communicate and so on. But is it, is this the time that he kind of, listen, I need to coach. I need to be a little more stern in what I'm saying to get those results that ultimately he didn't get. And I, I'm not saying that he needs to take a, a page out of Bruce Cassidy's book and be an ass or, or not communicate and just point fingers and, and, you know, and be the yes man and whatever. But still there's a time and a place where, yeah, we're buddies, but we also have a freaking job to do. So I, I just wanted to hear your thoughts on what, like how Montgomery came off to you in those sediments. Yeah. In that part in particular, I, there were other parts that gave me more hope, but that part in particular, yeah, it did sort of sound like that same type of coaching that we've seen from him throughout the season that we kind of came to expect. And that I think you're right, kind of did not bode well in the playoffs. Um, I agree that there's, a fine line to be walked. And I think that during the regular season, it worked and it was great. But then as things started to get more intense towards the end of the season and into the playoffs, you sort of saw the shortcomings of when you are having to make these really quick adjustments against, because you know, you're playing a team potentially seven times in a row. Um, it's not the same as, you know, having one thing that works and just tiny adjustments from game to game, but this is your, you're learning from another team. You're figuring out how they're doing. And we saw, Maurice make those adjustments on the other side. And so I think that that's where we started to see that, that, you know, being one of the guys, one of the players, like that mentality did not serve him well. Um, I think about like I, at my school, there was a coach who was hired straight after playing off the team in the college. And she talked about like having, having to separate yourself into two separate parts of being a coach where you're friends of the players, but you're also the person who's looking out for them and making sure that they're doing the things they need to do to be held accountable. Um, so I think that Montgomery is learning that line now, but it, it didn't work. Um, and that, that clip there, I didn't, I get nervous, but I'm hopeful that he can take the pieces that were working very well in terms of being, you know, recognizing the strengths of the players, appreciating those strengths, the things that they have to offer, the way they see the game, um, and hopefully fine-tune it enough to make those um, adjustments as the leader in the room and the guy who makes the final call on things. Great segue right there, because I got a clip right here of um, of Monty talking about the goalies and how he was used, and, and goalie Bob. He talked about that because that that has been a really big narrative for this offseason so far is you know, who's the decision maker who, you know, and, and let, let's hear this and we'll, and we'll, uh, we'll talk about it uh, right after. First of all, like all season long, I said, you know, goalie Bob, you know, makes the decision. I make the final decision, right? I'm the one that picks the starter. So it's not goalie Bob's decision, but I really rely on him heavily. And to answer your question specifically is, you know, we discuss this as a staff. I will talk in the playoffs, especially even more so with Sweens and Cam, 
you know. And in the end, we wins game three and four. So you have two days off. I think game five is going to go well. And <clears throat> I personally, you know, spoke with uh, Linus. And he answered me a real honest question and took ownership of where he was at in game five. And what he relayed to me made me believe that you learn and you grow and he was ready to grow and lead us to game six win. And that in the end is what made me decide that he was our goaltender for game six. All right. So it's the whole thing in my mind, Grace, of you own the roster, the final roster that goes out, you know, and I understand that he, he, he really looks at goalie Bob for, for guidance and so on in that particular area of the game, but ultimately you own the roster. So I, and and I'm going to bring Patrice Bergeron into this as well. And obviously it's you, I, I don't know how I would, um, you know, construct a conversation with Patrice Bergeron about this because I, I know from watching this guy from his whole career how dedicated he is to this organization and his team, um, along with the coaching staff. But also, if you know that you're injured and you're not going to be 100% with the depth that this freaking team had during the uh, regular season and you didn't use it effectively covering for an injured guy who had a herniated disc who was and i'm hearing basically was going to be scratched out for the whole playoffs after that montreal game came back now to me you own the roster well i would have said patrice we're winning we 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 have something here without you maybe just rest more and we'll get you involved and do a potential second round third round whatever but still, you need the absolute rest right now. And and ultimately, I mean, it was a gamble. All, it, everything's a gamble. Like, I get it and so on. And I'm probably going to get hammered for, like, my Patrice. Like, I'm not hating on Patrice or anything. I'm just not liking the idea of injured players basically giving the, an ultimatum saying, I'm playing this game. Well, you don't, you don't obviously – own the roster if you're giving it these opportunities to the players to say, yeah, I'm going in and, and shutting it down. So, I mean, I would not play Linus if he was injured. You have a healthy Swayman. It's like I said last a couple times ago, a couple podcasts ago, it's not like we're bringing up Kyle Kaiser and, and like we're going to do a rotation with him with very limited NHL experience. I actually don't think he has one NHL game, but still you have one A, one B. And you didn't use it in, in at least game five. That's one thing that I will strongly agree with Steve Forney on is, is the way that the goaltending was, was scheduled out. Why did you wait for a healthy Swayman to get into game seven? Makes absolutely no sense. I, yeah, I agree completely. You're completely right. It's, it's ridiculous that it happened the way that it happened. And I think you're right. It shows that weakness of not having the control of the roster and, you're right. I, I could not imagine being in Montgomery's shoes, not as much for, for Allmark, although certainly to some extent, but definitely like Bergeron, like he's been playing in the league almost as long as I've been alive. 
And I, you know, personally would not be able to be like, you don't know what's best. Like you, you don't know what's best for this team. Like it's better for you to sit and get better or whatever. Like if he's saying, you know, the way that it was described is Monty, I'm playing. Um, I, I don't know who, who am I to be like, no, you know, don't do that. But so I think that it's, it's hard, but I think that that show is the sort of issues that really arose when we had this depth to work with and we didn't use it um, or we used it in weird ways and in weird places, like not using Matt Grizzlick, sometimes using Matt Grizzlick, being so cool with Derek Forbert the whole time. Um, Another one. I don't know. Another one. Not, yeah. Like, it's just, it's kind of weird because you, it, we talked about it so much about like, where was the depth that was so strong? Were we just not using it? Was there too much of it? Um, and so I think that, that, that clip especially is very indicative of what, what went wrong, which was that not controlling the roster and controlling the players, you know, and I don't mean that in like a, you know, telling them exactly what is correct and what's necessarily wrong, but at the very least protecting them from themselves and, and recognizing where maybe they don't have the best, you know, vision they're not viewing the whole thing uh from the top so i don't know it's hard everything is hard in hindsight because you're like why you know i saw so many tweets about people like you know if you could go back in time and say start swimming in game five like you yeah. want that um because what you're right it wasn't it wasn't a lock it wasn't uh it wasn't even like an alex lion which which the, the cats were totally fine using and they clearly showed it and so I, I don't know. I wish that we had had that sort of confidence. And and that's thing, it like the fan base I know had all the confidence in the world in Swayman. I had all the confidence in the world in Swayman. I honestly think that even if Swayman had started every single game, we still would have had a chance. I mean, I don't there's not that I know it's hard because Vezina, you know, soon to be, knock on wood, Vezina trophy winner, Lena Solmark. Like, I don't know. I worry that uh I, I don't want it to I hope that it wasn't a lack of trust towards Swayman because I feel like there he gave every reason for us to trust him. I think it was just wherever it came from, Montgomery, goalie Bob, Olmark himself. You know, I hope that that's another place that we learned from. And I want I want to see both goalies back. I know I said it last week. I'll say it again. I want to see them both back. So I hope that we learn from it uh, going forward. And hopefully we see that accountability from Jim Montgomery. Absolutely. And uh, as we wind down the show, we're, we're you know, we've got about 15 more minutes. I do want to talk about our show sponsor, um, uh, Action Electronics, the great folks down in in uh, Walpole, Massachusetts. Um, uh, amazing people, and we thank them for their contributions every week to this program and, uh, and also spread the news about them. So let's hear about Action Electronics, and we'll be right back. All right, now it's time to talk about our sponsor, Action Electronics. For over 30 years, Action Electronics, a Walpole, Massachusetts company, has been the leading source of value-added time-saving supply chain issues. Visit them online at actionelectronics.com. Please give their customer service a call at 508-668-3131 and follow the company's social media accounts. Facebook.com slash Action Electronics, Twitter.com slash AE Supply Chain, on Instagram at Instagram.com slash Action Electronics. Also, please follow the official Action Electronics YouTube channel at Action Electronics TV. We give a shout out to Barry and Nick for the continued support. 
and um, setting this whole thing up to be a sponsor as we love to move their um, you know, business forward to our listeners who have supply chain issues. These are the people you need to call, whether it be compressors, chillers, anything that is, is stopping you from moving forward. These guys have the alternatives to make your uh, supply chain issue flawless. So uh, please reach out to them. They're great people, and we love having them here at the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. All right, we're back talking bees, and uh, we want to thank uh, Action Electronics as uh, you know, as always. They're amazing people. Shout out to uh, my boy Barry, and shout out to uh, my boy Nick over there at, at AE. Um, guys are amazing. So uh, back talking bees, and we're probably pretty much going to do like a punch list of stuff right now. Um, the uh, the Boston Globe, Kevin Paul Dupont wrote a, a very interesting article. Now, listen, I love KPD. I have for years. Uh, the guy just asks yeah. really good questions. And I've been a media member several times, not full-time media, but I've been up to the ninth floor. I've been downstairs when he asked questions. This guy, you know, his experience just, it really tells a, a, a whole tale. But I know it's the off-season, Kevin, but wow. It's like you're really push, pulling for the uh, <laughs> for the content in this long off-season. So, but he said, should the Bruins make a bold move and try to acquire Connor Bedard? the potential first round pick this season uh, from the draft in, in Nashville, Tennessee um, coming up soon in, in, in um, at late June, I believe. So um, what are your thoughts before I give my opinion? Yeah. I mean, you're totally right. I love Kevin's work. I think that it's amazing. Um, I think I said it in my, I tweeted it, I quote tweeted it and I said, um, Kevin, thank you so much for asking. No, because I, I think that like, I've seen like a whole bunch of all these teams across the border. How can we trade up for Connor Bedard? Um, I think the kid is great, but no, I just don't see it. A, I don't, I mean, it's definitely plausible in the sense that anything is possible, but I mean, you would have to, you'd have to be cutting a lot of pieces and then you're sort of expecting Connor Bedard to make up for all those pieces you lost like he's great but is he that great are we really fine losing that much personnel for it so I'm on the no train I am interested to see what happens with him where he goes if it is Chicago or if something happens um but I I'm good I'm okay thanks thank you Connor but I'm good <laughs> yeah I mean this this was more or less like an idea like 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 grabbing a grenade and running down a hallway of, of rooms and finding a room full of people and just throwing it in there. And then, hey, whoever survives, we'll see what happens. Um, right. it, it, that kind of scenario. But, no, it's like um, you don't want to give up assets. Because whether you re- agree or not, uh, audio listeners and uh, you know video viewers on YouTube or Grace, if you agree or not, um, this is kind of a retool, kind of rebuild and you're already you're already 10 steps behind because of what happened. You gave up so much draft capital to get Dimitri Orloff, to get Hathaway, to get uh, Bertuzzi, uh, you know, a first round pick in 2024. It, it, you know, you don't have a first round pick this summer, a second round pick this summer. Next summer, you don't have a first, second or third. So at this point, you don't have draft capital, which which holds a lot of leverage in trades. So what you're potentially looking at is 
goodbye Swayman, goodbye McAvoy, um, goodbye uh, Lysel, Merkulov, I mean, Lorai. I mean, those are the pieces that a Chicago is going to want to get for a guy, a generational talent, whether you call him that or not. And he's undersized and so on, which is which everybody is going to hamper. He's not six feet tall. He's he's an AHL lifer. It's like, oh, give me a break. But those are the pieces that are going to go the other way. So now those 10 steps, now you're 30 steps behind on what you're trying to accomplish next year and the foreseeable future, even when the cap does possibly go up four or five million. Um, I think that it'll be really tough. I think you're right. I think that it'll be really tough, especially to pry him from Chicago. So I don't see it happening. I don't necessarily even want it to happen. Um, I, yeah. but yeah, like I said, I'm excited to see what does happen with him. I think he's a great player. So I think it'll be good to watch, but I don't know. I don't see it. I don't see the vision for the Bruins. <laughs> yeah. Um, another one that was, is, is making waves. I'm not saying it's trending on Twitter, but it does get into people's conversations. And um, is Bruins defenseman Charlie McAvoy elite? And should he be traded because he's overrated? This is the type of stuff I'm hearing this summer and seeing not only on Twitter, but like on, on Facebook, which is absolutely trash for Bruins talk. In my opinion, <laughs> I, I do. I, I love my Bruins fans, uh, you know, on, on Facebook. I really do. But some of them I'm like, Oh my God, they're so irrational. Like they want to blow the team up and start from scratch. And it's like, okay, but that's not going to give you a, a winning team in the next three to five seasons. Right. You know, it's just, they're shooting from the hip because of what happened. You know, this was, this was a, a, a meltdown of epic proportions in the full season that is going to affect every Bruins fan until the first day of October, possibly even further for the crazies out there. But still, I mean, you can't fire from the hip with, with stuff like that. Like Charlie McAvoy is the type of player you build on, you know? I mean, this is the guy that's going to be giving confidence and, and inspiration and, and leadership values to a player like Mason Lowry, much yes. like Zeno Chara did to him. So it's not about playing ability. I, I think that it, I think most say that, oh, he's always like ranked as a Norris, a trophy candidate, but he hasn't captured the trophy yet. He's not an elite player. That's bullshit. That's absolute yeah. bullshit, in my opinion. You just yep. don't get rid of players like that because, because you're, you don't think that he's elite. I mean, I, is he elite? He may not. He's not a Mikhail Carr. Uh, Mikhail Carr. He's Mikhail not Carr. A Carr. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's the off season, all right? <laughs> and I know I stumble my words all the time, but still, that was he's pretty not, bad for an off season. He's not playing right now either. He's out too, so I don't yeah. know what he's doing. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, I totally understand. I think that you're I'm trying to come at this as most unbiased as I can because Charlie McAvoy is one of my favorite Bruins of all time um, because I just, I love his play. I love his leadership. I love, I think his commitment to the team. Um, so, but that aside, you know, I don't really, especially because the Norris has kind of come, become like the best offensive defenseman. And I don't necessarily think that that's a hundred percent Charlie McAvoy's game. And I don't want it to be. I think that, Yes, I want him to continue to generate offense, which I feel like towards the end of the season, he didn't do as much. Um, but he's a fantastic defensive player and a fantastic leader. You're, you're completely right. I see so much of what Chara instilled in him continue to make itself present. And I want to see him grow the next generation of Bruins defensemen because that's been 
sort of a, a very historically Boston thing, I think, is to have this really strong decor that comes from the older players, you know, instilling a certain competitive edge and skill set to the younger players. So to me, whether or not anybody thinks he's elite, I do. I just want to put that out there. But whether or not other people do necessarily, I think that what he offers is so much more than that. And so I'm so off board the get rid of Charlie McAvoy train. It's insane. I am not even close to the station. I am a thousand miles away from any railroad tracks that are boasting a train that wants to trade Charlie McAvoy. Um, But so that's where I stand. I love him. I'll always love him. Um, but yeah, so, but I do, I understand, you know, the shooting from the hip, they want to, it's scary. This is a scary time, but that one, I couldn't do it. Um, last week, uh, uh not last, yeah, I think it was last week. Uh, definitely was last week. I think it was Friday that the, uh, NHL named David Pasternak as a heart trophy finalist. Um, this is a, a great accolade for him, obviously. I don't think he's going to get it because of the uh, the points and so on. And, I, I, you know, he, he might be in the top three of league scoring and so on. Uh, but obviously, I mean, you got, you got to look at Connor McDavid numbers. You got to look at possibly Austin Matthews. I don't know. Uh, and possibly some other players around the league that had great years and really helped turn their franchise around in, into a positive. Um, and obviously this is not a, an award for the playoffs because if so, uh, David Pasternak would probably not, not get it. But still... Um, it's good that he's getting, you know, looked at in nationally, you know, in the league. He is one of the, um, you know, better players in the league and also a great ambassador to our to our younger fans and so on. You know, he's he's very fun. You know, he, he interacts uh, at, at, in games and the pre skates and so on. Um, you know, he's a good player. But, um, you know, if he wins it, awesome. You know, that's that's just that's awesome. I mean, the Bruins are going to take a, a lot of uh, trophies home. I mean, even on Friday, um, uh, Linus Almach was named uh, to the Vesna Trophy uh, finalist. And I, I think that he's probably going to win that. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate that this guy could possibly win the Jennings Trophy. He did win the Jennings Trophy with fellow uh, goaltender Jeremy Swayman and win the Vesna. Uh, but also be traded at you know sometime this season there's there's talk about that as well so uh thoughts on Pasternak being a heart trophy and and obviously uh Linus uh getting the Vesna yeah I think it's awesome I mean I'm I'm obviously amazed by the number of awards that Bruins players are finalists for and that I think they're probably going to win you know you look at Omar with the Vesna you look at Bergeron with the Selkie you look at Jim Montgomery with Jack Adams um so all of that is great you're right i don't think that posternock is going to get it um hey i think that Connor mcdavid is also happy that it's not about the playoffs because he's been quiet too um yeah. in that case of the three finalists like i'd be i think matthew kachuk would win if you throw the playoffs in there too <laughs> um and so i you know i think that that's it's great you're right i don't think he's gonna get it but i i i do i just think that he's such a an incredible player and also just the way that he has, you know, style wise, personality wise, um, like community wise, the way that he's really contributed to the game. And I think that brought in more, more fans um, and made people more interested in things has been amazing. So I'm, I'm super glad that he's getting the recognition that he deserves. Um, I'll always think that he deserves more, but he had a great season. 
uh, he really, you know, we wouldn't have gotten the wins that we had without him. So, um, you know, for the past five years, we wouldn't have gotten the wins that we had without him. Um, but, and then, yeah, with, with Olmark, I think it's a shoe in. I don't want to knock out again, but I, uh, I, it's, it does suck. You hate to, you hate to see the way it ended and worry about the future because now he has proven himself. You're right. Maybe not in the playoffs, but he proved that he is an elite goaltender in this league and people want, are going to see that and want him. So um, I think, you know, he's one that we'll have to talk about next week, but I think that uh, so well-deserved, obviously, I mean, you can't do what he did and not uh, get some, some recognition. So definitely it's a good award season for the Bruins. Uh, I wish they were still playing yeah. still. I think I'd trade the awards yeah. for that, but uh, here we are. So I'll take the awards. Um, Absolutely. But, yeah. Yeah, and speaking of like the different different um, you know roster next season, uh, this is what Don Sweeney had to say, and this is the last clip I have from the BostonBruins.com website. Just categorically sign those players today. Um, you know, our cap situation, we, we we leveraged you know a little bit. Everybody knows our overage at, at, at four and a half, so we have some constraints as to several other teams around the league. Um, our goal was to put you know this season was to put the absolute best roster we could we could put together. Um, and, and try and take a, a real legitimate run. And we failed, uh, no question. So you know, we have to pay that forward a little bit. That might mean we're instituting younger players. That might mean roster changes, which we would like to, to make. That might mean I might be able to sign, as you reference, one of those three players or other unrestricted players. We have to uh, address the two RFAs and Frederick and Swayman, which we will do. Um, and, you know, roster changes are likely coming. You know, we're not going to be the same team. So I mean, I mean, I know we'll talk about our rosters later uh, next week and so on. But it just it there's another narrative that you know over the week that you know if you want to shed cap space, you you um you know you approach uh, Lenius and you ask him to to be moved. You know, um, he carries five million dollars in cap space. Um, he's got I think two more years uh, under contract. Um, you know, that term and that money. Like you said, could and also all the the you know regular season accolades of a Vesna and a Jennings Trophy, all those packaged up is a very attractive uh, thing for another team to take on, and another team that needs a starting goaltender right away. Um, but it sucks as a human being, as a regular worker like myself. I get a forty-hour week job. You know, plus I got another 40 hour week job at B and G all the time. But my regular job is, you know, you gotta go and do what you gotta do, you know, and you gotta make sacrifices. This is something that he's gonna have to think about too, is like um, you know, will I would I be willing to move my family somewhere else? Because we've been, you know, we moved from Buffalo to Boston and so on, blah, blah, blah. Um, or to shed that cap space, do we really have to get rid of one of the best goalie tandems in the in the league, especially during the regular season? It's really tough situations to think about. But as a business, you do have to be cap compliant. You do have to put a competitive team out there next season, whether that be integrating younger members or bringing back veteran players, uh, you know, at league minimums. You still have to do something about because there is a laundry list of things to do. There's RFAs, UFAs that you got to sign. So, I mean, I'd hate to see him go, but it's not unrealistic that they, that they ask him to move uh, his because he's. I think he's got a 15 or a 16 team trade list that you yep. know he can be um, moved to. So, 
Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of lost on this conversation, but when you think about the cap space that we need, I mean, that's a viable option as well. But also if you step out of the crease, is a player like Taylor Hall, that type of player at $6 million. Now, I mean, I like, I like Taylor. I like his work ethic. I think he's been a real solid Bruin since he got here, but also he provides that offensive capability, not at a, like a top line level, but he still gets you that secondary scoring option. I think that it would be beneficial for him to stay, but as a business, you need to shed money. There's another option that you could do too. And and I, I know other teams will look at him and his veteran, you know, his years in the league as a, as a solid veteran and so on that it'd be attractive for them too. So there's so many different things that c- could go on this off season. It's just, it, it scrambles my mind, but it's intriguing at the same time to think about. Yeah, definitely. And you're right. It's so hard. You don't want to see Omar go. Um, but, and everybody on Twitter obviously has been saying the same thing. They don't want to see him go. And I don't want to see any of them go, but they're going to have to, like, there are so many people that are going to have to move on. Um, and you're mark my words. I, if it happens, if he ends up being moved, I would bet that he would go to Ottawa. Um, that's my number one. They no longer have Talbot. They need a goalie. They were bottom 16. That's my, that's my prediction. But um, I, you know, I would like to see him stay. You're right. You look at Taylor Hall, you look at, um, I mean, a lot of pieces that when we're every little bit is going to count. Every little bit is going to count in terms of cap space. So I don't know. I, I worry, I worry about, you know, my favorite players. I worry about everybody's favorite players because this was supposed to be the year, you know, with these players that we loved and it would have made it a little bit still hard, but a little less bitter to see them go after, you know, they had been able to take home the hardware. So I am excited to see what happens, but super nervous. Um, and I'm looking forward to us, you know, really getting into it in the next couple of weeks. And as the, as the uh, off season progresses with movements, who's staying, who's going. So it's going to be interesting, scary, interesting, but scary. Yes, it is. Uh, let's wrap up this uh, this uh, Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, episode 330, the Mother's Day edition. Um, Grace, thank you very much, as always. Uh, a real trooper, um, you know, to uh, getting, uh, you know, timelines together and to do this program. Uh, you know, you're on the travel. You're in a hotel. I, I really, really admire the, the passion to, to get this done through everything that you've been through in the past couple of week, uh, week or so. Well, I'm, I'm hey. This is my favorite part of the week, so I'm always happy to be here. I hope that uh, everybody has a great Mother's Day. Shout out to my mom. She's cool. She's helped me move into Jacksonville this weekend. Nice. So couldn't have done it without her. So hope everybody yeah. is able to do something fun and celebrate today. Absolutely. And I, I do, before we go, I do want to mention a couple things that we need more Boston Bruins podcasts to join our growing Black and Gold Productions podcast network, and we could use more website writers. We have credential opportunities uh, are, are available at the NHL, AHL, and ECHL level. So if you happen to live in Portland, Maine, you have to live, live in Providence, Rhode Island, or even Boston, Mass, and you can get to games and you want to contribute uh, either, you know, writing on the website or starting a podcast, please let me know black and gold productions, uh, LLC at gmail.com. We'd love to have more content creators. We want to really, we want to grow this business even further. And I think this off season, we're really going to start doing that with getting more committed uh, writers to do um, 
content creators to create content weekly. So um, that's our goal. And we also have a Patreon account and I got some goodies. I got some real goodies uh, this past week. My boy, Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. I reached out to him and purchased three jerseys. So the next three months are all taken care of. And this month, the month of May, we are giving away a Matt Grizzlick hand-signed jersey. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. And that is uh, awesome. fully, authentic, fully authenticated from JSA, stitched, all really nice, really nice jersey. This is all for a dollar, folks. You can get that jersey um, and the upcoming, let's say, we're in May. How about June? Mr. Adam McQuaid, fully no authenticated, way. hand-signed. Absolutely. And July, we have the one and only. There we go. Oh, yeah. It's way up here, though. The signature's right there. No way. But you know the name. Sean Thornton, hand-signed jersey, giving these away. So, like I said, it's only a dollar per episode. We take half of that dollar. We pay the bills here at BNG and take the other half to buy these incredible hand signed jerseys from Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. So, please get on board. Um, we would certainly appreciate that. Um, I don't think anything else has to be said, but uh, we do want to remind people we are sponsored by FanDuel. Please go to FanDuel.com/Boston, and um, you know there's a great deal going on. It's the No Sweat First Bet. You get up to $1,000, so get in on that at FanDuel.com slash Boston. We appreciate FanDuel for their continued support and working with us as our title sponsor. And and obviously, uh, Action Electronics as well. Great people down in uh, in Walpole. That company is uh, is great for, uh, you know, logistics and and um, supply chain issues. You know, they, they, they're a mastermind at all that stuff. So uh, please check them out as well. That's it, Grace. I think uh, that is episode 330. And again, I want to appreciate your time today and, and wish all the mothers out there, including my mother, Kathy, a uh, happy Mother's Day. And, you know, this is uh, this this episode is dedicated to the ladies. So I appreciate you all, especially. Uh, and oh, I do want speaking of ladies, I do want to mention that I've gotten a ton of feedback on our grace here. So. There have been people DMing me saying, what a great addition, smart, knowledgeable, talk very well. It, you know, it, you just, you know the sport. You've been around a while. So there's shout outs for you on your addition to this program. So I just wanted to mention that because it's been a real pleasure having you on and an extra person. And not only the female demographic that we're getting, but also an extra person that just knows hockey and, and, and flows really well with, uh, with Steve and I. Oh, amazing. Well, I love being here. So I love every every chance I get to talk Bruins with you all. So thank you so much to Absolutely. everybody for you know listening and, and being there. All right. With that being said, that is 3.30. You guys have a great Mother's Day and a great week. And we'll talk to you uh, next weekend when Steve Forney comes back and we'll break down our personal rosters, what we think the roster should be or could be with additions or subtractions of uh, uh, players like Bergeron and Krejci. So please tune in next week. Thank you for the support, the downloads, the interaction, the Discord. Please hit that up in the uh, in the show notes. We, we have a great community over there. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot of live stuff. We have a really, really intense off-season of content coming up to help everybody pass the time because it's going to be a long off-season. So uh, we'll, let's do it together. Uh, but, but anyway, we'll – 
talk next week. Take care, everybody. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at blackandgoldpod, at BNG Productions, at blackandgold277, and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official blackandgoldhockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out. Peace out.